You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget, if you got a smart speaker over the holiday or you already have one, you can tell it to play podcast Locked On Pelicans or play podcast Locked On NBA to get the latest episode. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on a pretty exciting Monday after that Saints game over the weekend, uh, bringing some joy, I guess, to the New Orleans faithful here because the Pelicans didn't do too well over the weekend on Saturday, falling to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll recap that game pretty rough. First half and then fourth quarter for the Pelicans as well. We'll talk about what went wrong, and that's coming on the heels of a pretty good three-game winning streak. Does not appear that the Pelicans have turned a corner just yet. In the third segment, I'm going to preview tonight's game against the Clippers. This one has even more importance now as you kind of have four games remaining on this road trip. And then as you look at basically the next 11 games for the Pelicans, this is where it's kind of all going to come down to it. So we'll preview the Clippers game. Then in the middle segment, we need to talk about Etwan more. What's going on with him as well as kind of question some of the rotations and lineups that we're seeing from this Pelicans team because they have been rough and bad and I don't get some of it and I bet I'm not alone in that. So let's just dive on into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Saturday, the Pelicans took on the Minnesota Timberwolves, falling 110-106 in a bit of an up-and-down game form. After leading the first quarter by two, they gave up a pretty bad middle stretch of the second quarter. I think Minnesota went on a 21-8 run during that, where New Orleans turned the ball over and seemingly just couldn't do anything anything at all. You saw some disastrous minutes from Tim Frazier out there on the court. Jalil Okafor basically got no run in the first half whatsoever, and it was just kind of confusing as to what really was going on in this team. They almost looked like they just, I, I don't know, forgot how to play basketball or something. And this echoed comments that Alvin Gentry said after the game here, and Gentry says, quote, they outplayed us, they outcoached us, they were better coached, they played harder, they did everything they had to do to win the game, and we didn't. That's the bottom line. We didn't rebound the basketball, we turned it over, and I'm as much to blame as anybody. It's a game that was poorly coached, poorly played, everything. We didn't deserve to this one, and we didn't. And so that's the bottom line, end quote. Yeah, coach, that kind of sums up what went on here. You were outcoached, and the team was outplayed. They didn't play defense in that second period at times. They didn't really have the energy. The slow starts that have doomed them has just really been apparent all year long. It's nice that he kind of comes out and is honest about this and says all of this stuff. But you know what? That doesn't do you a whole lot of good when someone's owning up to the mistakes, but nothing's changing from them. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this New Orleans Pelicans team. They know what's wrong. They do. They talk about it. You just heard it in that quote right there. Yeah, and they've known this for a while. We've heard this before. And yet no one um, has gotten any changes out there. So that's kind of 
really disappointing to see. So, it, you know, cool. Glad we know what's wrong. Now fix it. And if you don't, that's when we really are going to have some issues here. So it kind of went that way for most of the second quarter, but the Pelicans at the end of that really started to rally back and they kept this game close. And then going into the third, they actually exploded to the tune of 37 points and had a lead going into the fourth quarter. And then in the final four minutes, crunch time, clutch time, whatever you want to call with it, the wheels fell off again. Alvin Gentry went with the three big lineup we've been waiting to see. You had Anthony Davis out there, Julius Randle, and Nikola Mirotic. Good. Alongside Drew Holiday, you got your four core guys in there. And let's throw Alfred Payton in there. Wait, no. Alfred Payton wasn't there in the fourth quarter with those guys, and instead, it was each one more. I'm assuming the reasoning behind this is because Moore can at least give you some three-point shooting if you're going to have all those bigs out there. Otherwise, you really only have one shooter out on the court in Miritich to space the court for AD and Randall, and maybe that's a problem. But you look at each one more on the night, and we'll talk more about him coming up. He was one of six from the field total. Is that who you want? out there in crunch time to try and close out a game for you. Meanwhile, Alfred Payton had 10 points and six assists during his time out on the court. So maybe that's why you need to use him. So not only did you not get Jaleel Okafor early on, you had too much Etuan more late in this game. At least there was no Tim Frazier really in the fourth quarter or in the second half, but it was just kind of bizarre. And I don't know really what was that that the reasoning for that and you saw the New Orleans offense basically just completely fall apart they were one of eight in the final four minutes and missed all of their threes so it was just bad and that big lineup wasn't even rebounding well so this was clearly a mistake the idea to run those guys out there good they did not execute whatsoever on one possession late in the game that maybe iced it for the Minnesota Timberwolves the Pelicans gave up two offensive rebounds before giving up um, a bad foul late after some bad defense so that was three chances to score there and they let them not exactly good on the night, so in that, as we said, the 110-106 loss, you had Anthony Davis finish with 30 and 14. He was pretty damn good on the night, to be honest. Julius Randle, 22 and 11. Drew Holiday, 25 and 7 and 6. Etwan Moore gave you two points. Alfred Payton gave you 10 and 6. Mirotic with nine off the bench, even though his three-point shot wasn't falling. Darius Miller, four. Frank Jackson, four. And that was it, on the other side of the ball, you had Andrew Wiggins with 18 points. Did it, though, on 21 shots. They started Drew Holiday on him to defend him. That was a good move. Taj Gibson, quiet night, just 10 points from him. Carl Anthony Towns went off 27 points, 27 rebounds. Uh, he was a big part of the Wolves winning this one. Josh Okogie, the rookie in almost 42 minutes of action, 17 points. I was really high on him coming into the draft. Dario Sarge, Tyus Jones off the bench for both for the Wolves. Both of those guys each with 14. And New Orleans lost. And they would have been on a three-game winning streak coming into this one. But some weird rotations, just not enough energy from these guys. And yeah, that's kind of how this went. And now on this five-game road trip, that's so important. If the Pelicans want to get anything done, they need to win these games. This was a winnable game for them. The Wolves are kind of in the middle of some uh, turmoil. They fired their head coach. They kind of have that recently fired head coach, interim coach that they all like kind of bounce to them. But still, this one was a game the Pelicans should have won. But bad defense, bad turnover, 17 on the night. And just not kind of playing their style. Ball cost them this one. And it's just a big one. And you can't afford to keep doing this.
So while that was a disappointing loss for the Pelicans, what wasn't disappointing, I guess, if you skip the first quarter, was the Saints beating the Eagles. And if you think you had a hand, yes, you having a hand in this victory through your superstitions, your rituals, whatever it is you did to help will this Saints team to a victory, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I'm running a story about the Saints fans, rituals, superstitions. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for this to get out there, but I need more stories from passionate fans like you reach me it's at nola jake on twitter you can email me it's locked on at gmail.com or you can call and leave your story on the call in line that's 504-321-0448 let me know what your saint superstition and ritual is so we need to talk about each one more and not in a good way. It's uh, been a rough past couple of games as my cat runs through the room playing with a small piece of plastic. So if you hear any noise in the background, that's what it is. Oh, to be entertained like that. So each one more got off the year to a very, very strong start. In October and November, he was averaging basically 15 points per game, doing it on uh, unbelievable shooting above 52%, and he was shooting above 44% from three. That's exactly what you want to see out of him, just accurate, doing it with a low usage rate and a not that many shot attempts, averaging 15 points on 11 and a half field goal attempts is very, very good. But in December, it really started to dry up. In January, it's also basically stayed exactly the same. That 15 points per game has dropped to 9.3 points per game, and that is on 9.9 shots. Uh, per game. So that's not been good. His field goal percentage in January dropped to 38.7%. It's gone back up in January, back to 43.5%, though still not great. And his three-point shooting has basically fallen off a cliff under with the same amount of attempts. 36.6% in December and where is it? 33.3% sorry, three in January. His scoring and the lack of it and the lack of efficiency there has really hurt this Pelicans team. And they feel the need to keep him out there. Again, why was he with that team on the court late in the fourth quarter in crunch time with the three big lineup with Drew Holiday when clearly Alfred Payton's the guy you want out there to at least orchestrate the offense. He also had that moment on one of those offensive rebounds for the Timberwolves where he started to leak out and run in transition when he could have gone for the board or at least been back on defense, and he didn't. I don't know what he was thinking there with the Pelicans down too. You've got to get the stop, and they weren't able to, and he was part of that problem. You know, it also is compounded by the fact that now you have Frank Jackson, who had his two best games recently, only got 15 minutes in this one against the Timberwolves, and maybe he's who you need to put in there more. Or Jaleel Okafor. Again, we gave you the quote from Alvin Gentry where he talks about, we need to do things different, we need to change things, and then it just becomes, okay, how are you going to do that? What's going to fix this? But he's not doing anything different. You have a healthy team and you still lost this. This is when you're supposed to make your run, right? And you couldn't even beat this Timberwolves team on the road, a team that you've had a lot of success against over the past couple of years for the most part. So this was pretty disappointing to see overall. And each one more and his struggles are a big part of it. Maybe he needs to be dropped for a little bit. You've seen guys really fall out of the rotation like an Ian Clark, um, in the past, or like a Solomon Hill, who's not really getting any minutes, as they kind of figure things out, and then they give him another shot further down the line. You probably need to do the same with each one more, except he's averaging over 30 minutes per game this year. 
that's or exactly at 30 minutes per game this year that's not gonna really get it done and you're putting the subpar player out on the court for these pat for you know december and part of january so far at least give frank jackson try try something different that's the disappointing thing when you see jaleel okafor playing under a minute in the first half of this game it makes you kind of wonder what the hell is going on and what this team's going to do differently and the answer is it doesn't really seem like they're going to do anything differently but maybe tonight against the clippers they will but again it's a bit of a stretch so it's disappointing to see from this coaching staff that they're trotting these same guys out there that really aren't going to do anything different and nothing's changing. So they've got to figure this out. Moore's either got to play better or you got to bench him for Frank Jackson. A lot of the players credited Frank Jackson um, over these past couple of games, particularly that Cleveland game at home where he scored a career high for giving them energy, a spark that they needed. He showed off good three-point shooting in that one. I think he was 4-4 in that game. So Give him a damn chance, or he was 4 or 4 the game before, I think, something like that, whatever it was. Give him a chance to do it because he's going to give you more quality minutes than each one more, who was one of six or two points on the night in that loss to the Timberwolves. Hell, if you gave Frank Jackson a little bit more and he gave you four more points, all of a sudden this looks entirely different, but that's not what this team is doing. They're just kind of retreading everything, and it makes you wonder how things are going to change eventually. So before we preview the Clippers game, we'll just really touch on it, kind of keep it short today. If you want to give me your take on the Pelicans or ask a question, I've gotten a number of good ones, and you guys have heard me play them here on the podcast. We've got the call-in line up and running. The number, if you want to leave your, your question, your, your opinion on the team, and get it played here on the podcast, is 504 504- Three two one zero four four eight. That's five zero four three two one zero four four eight. Call it. Leave a message. Tell me what you think about this team, or ask a question you want to know the answer to, or hear my opinion on. We'll play them here, of course, on the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So Clippers taking on the Pelicans in the Staples Center in Los Angeles tonight. Both these teams have already played twice against each other. Split one and one. The Pelicans, I think, won the third game of the year. It was against this Clippers team on the way to that 4-0 and start before losing again later on in the year at home. This is the only trip out there. These teams play three total against each other. So this is for a tiebreaker, which... Doesn't seem like it is important right now, but might later on. You know, if the Pelicans do get back into the playoff picture, they're in there, they're not behind. This could impact seeding, or maybe it comes down to it where one team's in, one team's out because of the tiebreaker, something we saw a couple of years ago between the Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder, where the tiebreaker actually got them in. So this game, though it is mid-January, tends to have some bigger implications to it than it might otherwise. The Clippers top to bottom. Bottom, pretty deep team, deeper than I think anyone was kind of expecting or thinking. They've been very consistent and just good this year. Uh, Tobias Harris, 20.8 points per game. Danilo Gallinari, 19 and a half. Lou Williams off the bench, 18.6. And Montrez Harrell off the bench, 15.8. Those last two guys, Williams and Harrell, are probably going to kind of be the key to this one. The Pelican starters can hang with Tobias Harris and Gallinari, but it's that Clippers bench when they put in Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. You've got to limit the damage then. This is where getting your rotations right. Maybe fewer Tim Frazier minutes, more Frank Jackson minutes to kind of keep up with the scoring is going to be important. Look, you're, you're not going to slow down Lou Williams or Montrez Harrell off the bench. You at least maybe can keep up with them scoring-wise, and Tim Frazier's not going to do that for you. It's going to be a guy like Jaleel Okafor 
or Frank Jackson giving you that scoring punch off the bench. So those two guys are going to be really important. If we see very limited minutes for them, I think that's a mistake and something that's going to make Pelicans fans pretty upset. Overall, the Clippers are a very good three-point shooting team, 38.4%. On the season, you got to run them off that three-point line. This is where it comes to run them off there, try and funnel them in down low or make them take long mid-range jumpers. But they're good shooting teams, so that's easier said than done. They also get to the free throw line more than any other team in the league, and they make them at a pretty good clip. So you got to be smart about not fouling. Um, but when you have guys like Lou Williams who can get to the line and others, that can kind of be a bit of a problem. Same with Montrez Harrell. So that second unit really has its work cut out for it. Um, defensively, they're okay, I think is maybe the best way to put it. They're bottom 10, but I think closer to the middle of the pack than bottom 10. They do a good job, sorry, of limiting good shots. They at least force you to take bad shots. They give up an opponent e-field goal percentage of 50.9%. That's sixth best in the league. They do not turn you over, though. If the Pelicans are turning the ball over and it's leading to fast breaks for the Clippers, that's self-inflicted, unforced errors. You cannot let that happen. No bad passes. No easy things for them to pick off. They don't get those type of things. They don't play in the fast break. Don't gift them points that they wouldn't otherwise get. I think that's going to be a big, important thing. They're not great on uh, the boards either, Offensively or defensively, they're not particularly great rebounding either way, which could give the Pelicans an advantage, but you never know. You saw them give up those two offensive rebounds because of guys leaking out and not really being aggressive and going for boards. So this is kind of going to be a big thing. If you can limit fouling, keep them off the line, their offense might struggle. It really might. Um, despite the kind of strong three-point shooting they have, they don't take a ton of attempts while they also give up a ton of attempts. So we're going to have to see how this goes. Pelicans can win this one. It's kind of as simple as that. Do they shoot themselves in the foot? Do they get outplayed? Do they get outcoached? And if they don't do that, this shouldn't be too difficult of a game. But that depth is there for the Clippers, and it's not here for New Orleans. And that one easily could be the difference in the game. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully the Pelicans can get a victory. No matter what happens, though, I am your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back to recap the game for you all tomorrow. 